Today, join Jason and I as we discuss Brene Brown's teachings on the power of vulnerability when you're creating a relationship with your tribe. We also go through why entrepreneurship is all about vulnerability and how to use it to best effect in your business. We end up with Don Tapscott's advice to kill your ego and your logo. This is Digital Bacon FM. The Bangles and the Rain Song. 10 o'clock it is. Joined on the line by our good friend Stephen Barnes, marketing guru, visa lawyer extraordinaire, and storyteller of note. Good morning, sir. Hello, young man. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. How are you, sir? Not too shabby. It's raining in Hong Kong today and... uh, uh, yeah, it's a bit gray, a bit, 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 bit uh, gray and gloomy. Well, there you go. The rain song by the Bangles, the perfect intro. As I look outside the window of the studio, it's beautiful, but it's even better that we have internet, we have water, and we have electricity. The trifecta of happiness, as they say in my country. Count your blessings, really. Yeah, it doesn't get better than that, does it? <laughs> you would think it, in a modern, in the modern world, in a modern country, in a place where people pay tax. When, when you're grateful that you have power, water, and internet, <laughs> yeah, the well, simple things know, in life. There's, there's some jest, there's, there's, there's some uh, seriousness in the jest, right? I mean, yeah. uh, it would never enter my head to wake up in the morning and wonder if uh, you know those three things are going to present themselves as an issue to uh, me being able to achieve my objectives for uh, for the day. So uh, you know, yeah, you certainly I, uh, fearless, you guys out there on the prayers. I I often say that I cannot remember a single day in Hong Kong where we didn't have electricity, there would be a, a Force 10 typhoon in place. You may battle to get a taxi, but if you do get one, you're going to pay. But everything else still works. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank God for small uh, small blessings such as uh, that wrapped up in a bundle called Hong Kong. Yes, and I was thinking about it even more over the weekend and this morning. Uh, still planning my trip, sir. Still planning my trip. Now, winning people over. The segue into your segment today. Well, yeah. So, you know, just as always, quick recap, we're talking about the change in the way that modern business can operate as we adjust from the industrial economy way of operating to the connection economy way of operating. And uh, we're talking about a business model that uh, I've uh, developed and experienced and then subsequently gone on to share with everybody uh, in an idea called intelligent content marketing. And last week we were talking about the importance of telling your story, both your business and personal story uh, as part and parcel of creating relationships. And today we're going to talk about uh, really this, the same side of uh, one side of the same coin, which is, you know, how when you're creating relationships, can you win people over? Mm. Um, and I'm going to share with you the benefits of what I learned online and then how I've implemented it in practice and come to understand uh, how actually uh, easy it is uh, to win people over. Mm, okay. So ultimately, winning people over, Jason, is about demonstrating that you're vulnerable. Mm. And we as humans, um, we're all vulnerable. 
but we spend our entire lives seeking to hide our vulnerabilities um, because from an evolutionary perspective, if you show that you were vulnerable uh, in times past, you know, you were basically a goner. Um, however, we no longer live uh, on the savannah and we're not having to worry about, uh, uh, you know, saber-toothed tigers and, um, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the ones thereof. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, the whole idea of vulnerability uh, can actually be brought into play if you want to you know um tap into one of the natural seams of you know human human uh, existence and you know that is this feeling of vulnerability so um i discovered uh, a ted talk uh, by a lady called benet brown who uh talked uh well the talk is called the power of vulnerability um and there's a book that she wrote uh in that you know forms the basis of you know the precepts of this talk, um, but one of the main things that she talks about uh, when it comes to you know the perception of vulnerability is you know she says that it's the first thing that I look for in you, and what appears to be vulnerable actually appears to me as uh, courage and daring, and when I look for it in myself, it's weakness. I don't know. So it's a very that. Okay, it's the basic idea that, you know, when, when you look at somebody mm. uh, and you think, my God, they're, they're, they're courageous, they're daring. Mm. Actually, in reality, the person on the other end of it is feeling vulnerable. They're not, they're not feeling courageous and daring. It's just the perception on the other part of you know, the person who's, who's perceiving it, mm. uh, that it's courage and daring. Um, in actual fact, uh, it's uh, vulnerability is sense to the individual as a weakness mm. um so so that that's uh, that was her sort of you know sort of the main thing that resonated with me uh and then i started to think about that in the context of my own life um and actually you know vulnerability or the perception of vulnerability is not a weakness um it's not something that you have to be sh- you know ashamed of it's not something you've got to be scared of uh, it's not something that you need to be uncertain about um it's absolutely not a weakness mm. um she says that it's actually the birthplace of joy um uh, a sense of belonging it gives you a sense of creativity and authenticity because you know that sense of vulnerability uh, forces you to you know think of ways to uh, address that vulnerability so you're not as vulnerable uh, and that essentially uh, leads to as she says ultimately awarenesses of joy as you realize things about yourself and a sense of belonging, recognizing everybody else in the world has the same sense of vulnerability. But if you instigates creativity as you you know seek to come out of it, and uh, and it gives you a sense of authenticity because everybody feels like this, and finally you've got a, you know, got a handle on it. In, in, a, yeah, you saying. in in a business sense, though, vulnerability must be a weakness. Well, no, it's, a, it's about the vulnerability in you as an individual as you begin to create relationships with people. Okay. So it's not about showing that the business is vulnerable. Um, ultimately, the business is going to tie, tie back to uh, a human representative at one level or another, and that human representative uh, you know, would be best served to demonstrate in the natural order of relating to people that you know, they have a sense of vulnerability. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, again, in this talk, she talks about the reality of vulnerability uh, and uh, it gives us the opportunity to have experiences which bring 
meaning and purpose to our lives. Um, and that uh, she says that when you get right down to it, if you are seeking to understand what could be deemed to be you know, a high level of courage, vulnerability is the most accurate measure of courage because if you put yourself out there, you're exposing yourself to the demons that lead to you have that sense of vulnerability. Um, but if you say so, if you put yourself out there, uh, ready to face those demons head on, then you know that could certainly be deemed uh, to be a courageous act. So it's, it's very interesting how when you start thinking about this stuff, it gives you a sense of sort of you know what's inimical to you and how this stuff is kind of you know inimical to everybody else, but no one talks about it. Hmm. But, uh, the moment you cut through uh, those sort of artificial barriers by demonstrating uh, courage in being vulnerable or demonstrating that you're vulnerable at least, then you know interesting things happen in the relationship. And one of the most interesting things that I picked up, uh, you know, sort of I was doing thinking about all of this, uh, was that actually entrepreneurship, the stuff that I've been doing since I was, well, 33, really. In fact, I've, I've been doing entrepreneurial type stuff. It wasn't actually about business since I was the age of 17. I went off onto ventures unknown that were fraught with risk and uncertainty and you know, the kind of qualities that go with typical entrepreneurship that we're not actually designed to make money or build a business out there out of. Uh, but certainly entrepreneurship uh, since I was 33 uh, is all, has been all about vulnerability. Um, and uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, sort of forget that, not forget, but, but don't, don't couch what they're doing every day from the perspective of how vulnerable it makes them. I think most entrepreneurs, as you know, you know tend to sort of push those things down and, and diminish them in the thinking because it's not productive to have neg negatives hanging over your eye. You should be focusing on positive things that you can control. Mm. Um, but uh, I think most entrepreneurs can tap into you know, that appreciation of the fact that you know they are you know, intrinsically vulnerable because they are entrepreneurs and what they and that's what they do. So it's a very easy thing for an entrepreneur to sort of take on board. Well, I found it easy, at least anyway, to mm. realize that there was value in showing my vulnerability, and I I showed my vulnerability explicitly once I had understood what this stuff was all about. Uh, in the three early videos that are on the My Story page of uh, the Hong Kong Geezer Geezer blog. Where you talk so, about your uh, impending um, bankruptcy. I suppose all that, that is, kind of stuff. That, yeah, that is a way of um, showing yeah. your vulnerability. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's, what I, that was how, that's the way that I sort of factored that into the mix. Mm. So, uh, yeah, winning people over at the individual level um, is all about, you know, showing your vulnerabilities, I've discovered. Um, but to touch upon what you raised later quite properly about vulnerability in business, um, well, whilst you can't sort of tap into the rich vein of, um, you know, uh, qualities that go with vulnerability at an individual level, if you think about what Don Tapp's got, has written about uh, where he talks about um, businesses that operate in the open um, and as far as possible can operate with radical transparency that shows essentially the kind of you know the corporate vulnerability if you can call it that whereby you know if you're operating pretty much out there telling everybody uh, everything that's going on in your business and you know how it all works and 
you know, share your vision uh, with them and talk to everybody all the time about what you're doing. Uh, if you do all that kind of stuff, um, then, you know, people will get to understand what the sort of the DNA of your organization is and with it, the strengths and the weaknesses and, and ultimately you're giving them what they need to know in order to make informed decisions about how, you know, they want to transact with you, either prepared to risk having a relationship with you. Uh, given what they know about you. Mm. So the way to demonstrate corporate vulnerability, so to speak, is to engage in the kind of activities that Don Taptop covered in his work, uh, uh, Radical Transparency. And now, do you think that this is uh, at the heart of the issues that companies like Facebook face? If we're going to say that they're in a, a connection economy style of business um, and they are less than transparent when it's when it comes to data and all sorts of other things that are now coming to the surface, do you think this is their biggest issue? Um, I think their biggest issue is that the uh, management of that team, of that of that company, uh, are all young, wet behind the ears, don't have real experience in life, uh, have been uh, coached by uh, individuals that um, have, uh, you know, a particular sort of view about what's important uh, mm. when you're um, you know, running a very large growing business. So when you get wrapped in that, wrapped up in all of that, you end up with uh, the, the business not seeing the forest for the trees. Uh, and that's certainly what's happened with Facebook, in my view, the way that they've so cavalierly dealt with the data that people have, in all good faith, given up to them so that they could profit for advertising. I think that's fine. But, you know, mm. the rest of the stuff that they've been engaging in is, uh, is, 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 is malicious and malevolent and, and needs to be addressed squarely. And, uh, and that's all as a result of, um, you know, young, inexperienced business leaders uh, not understanding what's really important about uh, the work that they do and the company that they've got. And do you think, do you think we really gave it up in good faith, Stephen? Yeah, most people gave it up anticipating that there was a quid pro quo. Uh, and that quid pro quo would be, you know, would, would avail a reasonable return on, you know, Facebook's investment. Uh, and if you understand how Facebook works, I think there's real merit in, in a platform that actually has, you know, voluntarily uh, provided data on people so that, you know, people who want to advertise to them can deliberately target them, right? Instead of using mm. a, shot, a, a, a shotgun effect, uh, as was the case with, you know, broad uh, sort of advertising, you know, blasting out and hoping some of it would stick. Mm. Intrinsically for me, there's nothing wrong with uh, having, uh, with, with somebody having my data where they can put stuff that I might reasonably be interested in in front of me for my consideration you know as it goes through my life in the normal flotsam of jetsam and life i occasionally buy stuff that i find in my facebook feed because it's actually appropriate for me and i'm glad that it's come my way so i'm more than happy to give up what i need to give up to in return for you know giving facebook the bill the willingness to be able to sell access to me on that basis that's fair enough and but, it, you know i didn't give facebook data for them to go off and, and engage in all kind of machiavellian intent and, uh, and, and and leveraging everything they could possibly get out of every opportunity monetary opportunity that came their way because you know they've got to they were lucky enough to to get the data that i voluntarily gave them and when it's your data it's fine but when it's the data of your uh, your friends and stuff like that, it starts to become a little bit offsides. Well, well absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. I keep getting yeah. these requests. We'd like to 
uh, have a look at your contacts. We'd have to do this. I just keep blocking them. Yeah, exactly. I, I, just on exactly. on on an offside there, uh, our good friend JC Viennes. I saw a Facebook post of his yesterday, and I, I go less and less, but he's decided to break up with his phone. Can you remember, like three years ago, I wanted to break up with my phone, and I got another yeah. number, and I said, right, no more using this bloody thing. But um, unfortunately, it's like going back to a girlfriend because the sex is good. Yeah, so, so <laughs> well, I, said that earlier. I never heard it put that way before, but uh, I'll, I'll ponder on that <laughs> and, uh, and get back to you with my thoughts. <laughs> well, he's decided to break up with his phone, and uh, I've been mulling the same thing. Uh, so he's no longer available on WhatsApp or WeChat or anything, and it's email or pick up the phone and phone, um, which is a bit of a problem when you live very far away. But anyway, we'll find a we'll find a workaround or or a reach around, as they say in prison. But anyway. Um, yeah, where, where do we go to from here, sir? Well, so, uh, yeah, we're talking about winning people over and uh, we can, because we have time, we can segue into uh, the next slide on the Monopoly presentation, uh, which is chapter 20, uh, and generating trust, because ultimately demonstrating your vulnerability and being transparent and open in, with your business um, is design is, 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 is ultimately designed for you to go on to be able to generate trust uh, in that relationship. Mm. So um, here's the issue, right? When you talk about trust, your natural default position is always not to trust. Um, why do you think that is, Jason? Because inherently people are after something. Well, that's, that's undoubtedly true, but I would suggest that the reason why we intrinsically are distrustful is because when we were very small, our parents rammed it down our throats, stranger danger. Okay. Right? Mm. So when somebody new comes into us, our default position's got to be, well, you've got to win my trust before I'm prepared to, you know, deal with you, sir. Hmm. So, um, you know, understanding that that could very well be the, you know, the, the underlying psychological, you know, rationale for the need to generate trust. Um, you can sort of listen to what Zig Ziglar had to say about it. And he says, if people like you, they'll listen to you. And if they trust you, they'll do business with you. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, Seth Golden also says in his four pillars of the connection economy, the first three being coordination, permission, uh, and the exchange of ideas, the fourth one is trust. Um, and so, you know, the message has got to be, what does it take to create recognition and trust in the world full of brands just like us? Um, and, you know, the reality is that whether we like it or not, we're all brands now. Mm-hmm. Um because you know the internet gives uh, third parties a complete impression uh, as to you know what we're all about. You know, you go have a look on Facebook and you know suss out that side of our personality or our life at least, uh, and then you know go and have a look on LinkedIn and then see what the professional side of our life is all about, uh, and then see you know what else has been uh, quoted about us on the web. So you get a you know sense of um, uh, you know what we think about things and uh, and all that kind of stuff, 
Um, so ultimately, because, you know, we do have this presence on the web, um, the reality is that if you're going to use the internet in a smart way in the connection economy, you need to recognize that you're a brand mm. uh, and you need to go on to essentially sort of, you know, um, scale the trust that can come out of, uh, you know, uh, showing what you're all about because the web gives you the ability to do that. Mm. So let me give you an example. Yeah, go on. Uh, in, in the last um, bit of the openness, Don Papscott, he says, kill your ego and your logo. What does that mean? Well, you know, if, you, um, if you've got to understand that we live in a completely over-communicated world, right? Mm. And, and when we have a business and business owners or the company that we work for, we tend to focus on that you know graphic representation uh, you know indicating what you know, who our organization is we tend to focus on that and we you know we 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 ascribe sort of overwhelming magical power to that logo because it means so much to us you know and but the reality is you know everybody who works for an organization or has their own company has a logo and they have exactly that same feeling about you know that graphic representation so now you take that phenomenon in the connection economy and recognize that, uh, that you know, there's logos to be found by the gazillions, left, right and center, here, there and everywhere. Um, there's absolutely, in my view, no value in sticking your logo where it doesn't belong, because all it does is get in the way and it sends a negative message. Because uh, you're saying through the presentation of your logo in a sort of, you know, um, non-strategically derived fashion, you're saying, look, I don't really care about, you know, what value I'm delivering to you here. Uh, here's my logo. This is, the re- this is the reason why I'm doing it. I want you to remember this because this is important. Um, whereas, you know, in the connection economy, what you should be doing is giving away value unconditionally in exchange yeah. for trust. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with having a logo you know, as part and parcel of your, let's say, your video at the exit uh, stage. If you look at all our videos, we have the video chat and moniker on right at the very end. Um, But uh, 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 there's not much value to be gained in having uh, your logo stuck on everything. Okay. Here's something interesting. I'm sitting in the studio having a look around now at everything that's in front of me. I've got a MacBook Air that just gets used for the web, etc., and I've got my phone next to me. My Apple products have the logo so that everybody else sees that I'm using an Apple. If I look at the the front of the phone, that where I interact with the phone or interface with the phone, there's nothing that says it's Apple at all. Right, indeed. Yeah, mm. your experience your experience is what Apple wants it what want, wants it to be, and you control the experience that you're you know, your counterparts are going to have when you're communicating with them. And, you know, that's a great privilege to earn their attention. So while you've got their attention and you're communicating with them, you know, stick your logo, you know, leave your, leave your logo at the door, as Don Tapscott says. Hmm. There's no point, right? You know, the, the, if, if, your communi- if your effort at communicating is sufficiently robust enough that you get through, then they don't, you don't, they don't need to see your logo, right? It, it's irrelevant. They know where they know where they know where to go next uh, as a result of you know their their behaviour or thinking having been modified from the exposure to you know the missive that you put in front of them. You know, I, I, I've subconsciously understood that, and that when you do the design for a menu, 
There's no point in putting your name and address on the menu itself because if somebody doesn't know that they're already sitting inside your restaurant, the food that you're about to serve them is really the least of their problems. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it just tends to take so much space on a menu. Uh, you're already here, mate. This is what we're going to give you now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, and if you think about that, there's, there, there's, simple, there's simple ways for you to impress on them uh, the spirit of your brand by the quality of the service that you give them rather than expecting them to ascribe you value to to ascribe value to your brand as a result of their exposure to the logo. Mm. You want you want them to remember you, right? So you'd give them you'd give, give them two extra chocolates with the coffee, you know, instead sure. of one. Now, the, I had another interaction many, many years ago when I was doing my uh, fast food franchise. And there was a, a chap that we used in Peter Marisburg for the first shop who did our signage for us. Um, and he was a he was a bright chap, and he said, you know, if you can get away with doing uh, the colours for this in red and yellow, they always stand out. They're the most, um, you know, people think of danger when they see red and yellow. So if you can bring those two things into your into your colours, they'll work. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. Um, except you don't want your business looking like a bloody chevron. Um, <laughs> so, and then, then the second thing he said to me was. I don't understand why people put opening and closing times on the shop door. And I said, well, you need to have them. And he said, no, well, when you closed, you closed. And I said, well, that makes sense to you because when you closed, you go home. But when somebody comes to your shop and they want to engage with you and you're not there, they'd like to know when you will be there so they can come back. And he said, self-evident. Yeah, I didn't really think about it like that. And I said, yeah, well, put the opening closing times on the window then <laughs> and i had this experience the other day i went to the laundromat and it was saturday it was 10 past 12 and i didn't know if they had closed for the day or if the woman that ran it had just popped to the loo i did and i thought am i gonna am i gonna wait here like a wally uh and they've closed at 12 or are they like a normal business on a saturday and close at one because they didn't have their opening and closing times on the door. Yeah. So I thought, well, yeah. I'll just go. Well, it's a classic example of the business owners thinking about what they're doing through, you know, the, from the perspective, the, the selfish perspective of themselves, which is, on the one hand, it's reasonable because, you know, you everyone's going to look after number one. But on the other hand, if you want to be smart at business, you've got to, you know, address that thinking and, you know, uh, come at it potentially from another route because you might get much better results. Well, if, you, if, you're, um, going in, if you're going into business to make money during the time that you open, then at least let people know when you're open. Well, that that is self is self evident, right? Uh, That's just borderline stupidity. And I thought that I thought that question was addressed in business 120 years ago when retail came into its own. Yeah, or maybe the, the, this is the uh, industrial economy. Um, the guy that does my tattoos is um, he's got a, a rather large poster in the window that talks about his opening times, uh, and it's very well done. I think it's probably been done before. He says, "If I'm not here, I'm not I'm I'm not open, and I might be here in five minutes, but I may not." Um, normally I'm here around nine, but sometimes 10. And on, on some days when I'm not feeling so good, I'm here around 12. But if I'm not here, here's my number and give me a ring and find out where I am. <laughs> oh, okay. That's honest enough, right? But, but it's not, not very useful, but very honest. But, but it's engaging and you find it quite funny. So you think, okay, well, at least yeah. they put some effort into it. 
Um, yeah. And you read the whole thing, and it's it's a good way to get to his telephone number, I suppose. Great, it's brilliant. And, it's and I've told brilliant. you the story, and it obviously it resonated with me, and I've remembered it. Yeah, no, it's very clever. It's very mm. clever indeed. Bit yeah. of a problem if you can't yeah. read. Uh, that's true. And, uh, and I know you, you see, I, I, you're going to make a link between from, people who can't read and who have tattoos at some stage. No, no, I would never <laughs> do that to you, sir. No. No, no, yes. uh, no. I think it, uh, it just just as we sort of you know come to close this segment for today. I think it's a, an interesting point there about uh, the approach that he's adopted is very poetic. It's very creative. It's very engaging, and it gets you where you need. It gets it gets you ultimately what you need out of it at the end of it. And mm. it says something about his brand, uh, and, and it's an absolute delight, an absolute delight to behold. Um, the interesting point about that is that when it comes to sort of, let's call that, you know, direct marketing, when it comes to direct marketing, my approach is is, is not uh, not anywhere close to that. My approach is just to go to for the juggler straight away. So I would have just said, I'm closed now, please call and then put the number. Yeah, that's because you are a lawyer and you know that you charge by the word. Uh, no, 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 quite, quite the opposite. No, no, my, my take, my, no, my, my, my take on that is, it, is that because we're living in an overcommunicated world, every, everything, every communication that you you try to make, you know, you've got to try and get get to the heart of what it is that you're saying straight away and what's important about it. So if you look at all our uh, all our, um, our website, our company name, Hong Kong Visa Center, right, and the name of our book, Hong Kong Visa Handbook, mm. it's, it's for, for the main, we're very straight to the point because we want people to, to, to know what's behind the, uh, behind the label, as it were. Not so succinctly booked, Mike, uh, said my good friend. 10.30 it is, and uh, are we catching up on Friday? Uh, I do believe that could be the case. All things going according to plan. You have a very good day, sir. Thank you. Digital Bacon FM. Stay tuned for the next episode for more on how to generate trust.